Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode of Photoactive is brought to you by Luma Labs, the makers of the Luma Loop, your next favorite camera strap system. We'll have a special offer on the Luma Loop later in the show. This week, we're very happy to welcome a special guest, Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hello. Jason Snell is well-known as a writer and podcaster. He was the editor-in-chief at Macworld for many years. He now writes at SixColors.com, along with Dan Morin, one of the many Dans who used to work for Macworld. Jason likes photos. Jason has written a book about photos in the Take Control series that Jeff and I have both contributed to. It's called Take Control of Photos. It has just been updated for the latest version of the Photos app for Mac and iOS, And we thought we would talk to you about photos, about the changes in the photos apps, about what's good in the photos app and what's not so good. So where does one begin with an app like this? Uh, We we don't need to go through the whole photos versus aperture or iPhotos thing because we have what we have now, right? Yes, that's that's exactly right. You also said I like photos or I love photos. It's like, does anybody who writes a book about a piece of software <laughs> truly love it? Or does is it I feel like I've come to understand it as much as one can understand it and its limitations and its strengths and weaknesses. But it is I mean, it is absolutely what we have in the sense that this is the platform photos app and you don't have to use it and you don't have to use the cloud features and you could there are alternatives but this is what apple gives us all and we can take it or we can leave it but it's it's kind of front and center of the iOS and macOS experiences even more so with iOS yeah i mean iOS you attach a uh, camera or an SD card or something like that and that you're you're in photos at that point the import system is entirely attached to photos and you can get it out of there but that's where it all it all starts is sort of in that camera roll so yeah and then the mac yes it's a little less uh that way because you can go to image capture and you can use other apps and things like that but it's certainly this is apple's take on where you should put your photos and and you can deviate if you want but this is where apple is trying to channel everybody yeah the other big player of course is lightroom which does what photos does being both a library and editing tool I believe by the time this podcast is released, Luminar will have come out with their app, which includes a library in addition to editing tools. But as I've mentioned many times on the podcast, I don't like to spend a lot of time editing. And I use photos for my library and for my editing, and I find it is an extremely competent editing tool. Yeah, a lot of the criticism of photos is is about what it isn't. And part of that is Apple's fault, because when Apple announced the existence of Photos, it was simultaneous with the discontinuation of both iPhoto, which it's really iPhoto continued anyway, but discontinuation of iPhoto and of Aperture. And by muddying the waters by saying, oh, well, this is also the Aperture replacement, it got a lot of people who were using Aperture kind of up in arms, because the fact is, it's not. It never really was. It does more than iPhoto, and it's got some features that are more Aperture-like, but it is not a replacement for Aperture. It never really was. If you're somebody who wants... Uh, more control who wants to use a use the file system as your filing system for your photos instead of having Apple kind of do it behind the scenes don't use photos like just use Lightroom or some other app but don't use photos but I agree with you it is remarkably capable um, if you are not somebody who requires that extra layer and its editing tools keep getting better. One of the nice things about writing this book and updating it the last four or five years is that I keep seeing the progress they make and they have put a lot of effort into the editing tools. The editing tools are actually closer to apertures than to iPhotos at this point. Now you don't have to 
use them all, but there there's a lot of uh, of feature stuff under the covers. And then last year they added full external editor support. So now if you do want to use Photoshop or some other external editor, um, you can round trip it with a couple of keystrokes, which you used to not be able to do in uh, in photos. So it's it it keeps getting better. And I think for uh, you know below a certain level, it is. Uh, completely full featured and and worth everybody's time and i think i i do think that although there are things about it that are not <laughs> far from perfect uh it has a lot going for it up until you reach that little bit of functionality where you hit the wall and at that point you're probably it's probably not for you if you want to be that you know that hands-on with your stuff photos also has that that feature uh, well feature bug whatever you want to call it where i think so many people don't know what it does because a lot of of those editing tools are hidden and also because it's the default, people assume, well, this is probably like the bare minimum that somebody's going to ship with a computer to make things happen. <clears throat> Microsoft. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, people think, well, obviously this doesn't do as much as Lightroom or it doesn't do as much as all these other things, which is correct. But it really has a lot more power. And you know, I'm perfectly happy with a lot of the edits that it comes out with. You know, When you, say, brighten an image... It's doing a lot of complicated stuff in the background. It's 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 not just you know cranking the exposure. It's doing a smart job of balancing everything out to make it brighter. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, effects that are kind of additive, and you can actually go and see. So there'll be like the light control, and then you go underneath, and you'll see that there's actually four components that make up the light control, and you can it's seven. There's actually seven or seven. Yeah. There you go. Uh, wow. <laughs> I don't have it open here, but there's there's yeah. a lot, and and so in all of these effects, you almost all these effects, you can actually expand them and discover that there's a, an even larger set of sliders underneath it that are that are going on. Of course, if you click the magic wand, what it's doing is it's sliding. It's using its you know machine learning techniques to analyze the photo and slide those sliders, but then you can go in and edit those sliders too. They're all still editable, and you can turn them off and you can revert them. And there's a lot going on. I mean, it is not. Uh, it is not a simple photo editor. In fact, if what, I have a complaint about photos today. Um, it is uh, both directions of feature parity, which is on the Mac, there are a bunch of uh, search features that are not available that are on iOS. And on iOS, honestly, like on my iPad Pro, I want to use all those editing features that are on the Mac version, and they're not there. It's a much more simplified version of editing tools on iOS than it is on the Mac. And, you know, every now and then you run into something like, as a as an inveterate user of the clone tool, the rubber stamp tool in Photoshop, there is a, there is a, a retouching tool in uh, in photos that works for me nine times out of ten. But there's that one time out of ten where I want to do something like at an edge and I want it to match the edge from a few pixels the other way and I'll do it and it just gives me a big smudge and I'm like, and I have to go into Photoshop at that point. But again, that's I think that's photos in a nutshell, which is for most uses, nine times out of ten, you know, what it's got is going to get you there. And, and I think for a lot of users, they're never going to hit that wall. That retouching tool is actually quite good. I like to do macro photography. And very often when you're doing a real close-up of a flower, you're going to have little spots of dust or, dust. or things like that. Yep. And and that sort of retouching works really well with the Photos app. Yeah, I did a shot the other week of uh, speaking of the iPad Pro. I was doing some iPad Pro shots in my dusty garage here uh, with my SLR to put on the, the website for with my review. And I got them into Photos and... I was I was like 
Oh my God. There is so much. There's dust all over them. And I had wiped them down, but I guess the rag was a little dusty or something. And I, I just used photos and I took all the dust spots out and you can't tell and it looks great. So for stuff like that and for blemishes on skin, like it does a very good job. Um, it, it's kind of the only tool that photos provides that's like that where there's a retouching brush. Everything else is just kind of a, a global, uh, photo slider. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot there. People who discount it as a uh, kind of baby tool for babies are missing out. Uh, there's, there's a lot there. It may not have everything, but there's a, there's a lot in the app. Also, part of the thing with photos, of course, is that it is its own ecosystem. So if you're going to use photos on your iOS devices, which you sort of have to do by default in some fashion, you use iCloud Photo Library. I'm sorry, it's not iCloud Photo Library anymore, is it? It's not. It's iCloud Photos. Now, Apple changed the name and didn't really tell anybody. <laughs> but if you look for iCloud Photo Library, you'll discover it's just iCloud Photos now. I had to change all my words in my book because of that. <laughs> That's not confusing at all. But if you want to have that that synchronization going back and forth, that's that's kind of the the way to do it. I'm assuming that your book covers all of the the photo library stuff, all of the yeah, it hasn't changed that much. The reality is that um, it's these tools were built with iCloud Photos in mind, and while you can use these tools without iCloud Photos turned on, it really wants you to do it. This is one of those things where it's just like Apple. One of the ways modern Apple especially sort of works is that they build tools with a certain kind of use case built in. And if you want to deviate from that, you will feel the pain. You will hit the wall. Um, you know, I think with photos on the Mac, you don't feel it as much. You can do, you know, stuff and have it be resonant on your Mac and you're fine. But the uh on iOS uh yeah i mean you can you can do it there too and then you can import your photos back onto your mac and you can do all of that but really when it shines is when you turn on iCloud photos and it can manually manage the space on your phone and it is a beautiful thing if you've got tens of thousands of photos to know that if you take a photo on your iPhone it's automatically in your library and in the cloud and the you can set it so it downloads to your mac if you've got a big enough hard drive all those photos can be resident on your mac and you can see all those photos as thumbnails and search on your iOS device. And if you tap through, it will automatically load the full resolution version. Like, it's it's great. Now, if you've got a lot of photos, that also means you're paying Apple a uh, monthly fee for two terabytes of storage, like I do. But Even if you don't have a lot of photos, your five gigabytes of free space is filled up pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I wish Apple made more free space available. They still have this 99 cent option, which is ludicrous. That should just be part of the free free tier. They're not making any money yep. uh, to speak of with a, with a dollar a month plan. It's ridiculous. Um, but that, you know, that, that all said, Apple's uh, storage prices aren't unreasonable for what you get, which is this deeply integrated, uh, fairly intelligent way of uh, caching your whole library and making individual photos available on demand on your mobile devices. You pointed out the ability to take photos on your iPhone and have them download to your Mac. I think this is something that everyone should do is store the originals on the Mac. Because if you don't have the originals there and something happens in the cloud and your library gets corrupted, there's no backup anyplace. If you have the originals on your Mac, you're certainly backing them up to another hard drive, right, everyone? You're all backing up your Mac? Exactly. That's right. I, I, iCloud, iCloud could potentially serve as a backup, but I would not 
recommend you treat iCloud as a backup. And just as the guy, I get to be the guy who wrote the book on the subject now, so forgive me for saying it this way, but this, <laughs> when do I get the chance to do this? My setup is I have a Mac, I actually have a Mac mini that I use as a server that's got a giant hard drive hung off of it. And I have that photos instance set to um, download all images, keep all images local. On my uh, on my iMac, with uh, its little internal SSD, I, I don't have that set because it's too small a drive. But the hu- the Mac with a huge drive. And if you don't have a big enough drive, if you don't have a server or something like that, I would say even then, and I, I just gave this advice to a friend of mine the other day, you should go on Amazon and buy one of those Samsung USB 3 or USB-C SSDs, the, one of those two terabyte, three terabyte. It's a little bit pricey, but they're they're tiny. They make no noise. You could literally you could literally Velcro it to the back of your iMac and just leave it plugged in, and use that as your residence for your entire photo library. But if you can get all your photos and videos local, um, I would do it because then you've got a version. If something happens to iCloud, if your connection goes down. And uh, and then, yes, you could back that up with, let's say, an online backup service and have yet another backup of all of your precious photos, which I think is a good idea. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll dig a little bit deeper into Apple's photos. Everyone needs a camera strap that is both comfortable and practical. The Luma Loop lets you carry your camera as a sling or snug to your body when you're not using it. The Luma Loop's carbon fiber sliders keep the strap secure and feature a quick release design that gets you into shooting position almost immediately. The Luma Loop's mounting hardware is custom designed so you don't have to choose between a strap or a tripod mount. Available plates let you quickly put your camera on the most popular tripods in seconds. All the Luma Loop materials are American made and the camera mounts are manufactured in-house on a 4-axis CNC machine in Portland, Oregon. Luma Labs offers a lifetime guarantee on everything they make. Photoactive listeners can get a 10% discount during December using the code PHOTOACTIVE. You'll really like this new way of carrying your camera with the Luma Loop. Go to luma-labs.com to order your next favorite camera strap system. That's luma-labs.com. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because you had mentioned that a big part of updating the book was incorporating a lot of the the printing features. Now, printing isn't something that people immediately think of when they think of photos, but this year there was a change that really made that necessary. Can you go into more detail? Yeah, it's funny because Apple added these extension features sort of last year for a lot of the stuff in terms of printing, and they didn't get much pickup, but it was a suggestion of things to come because this year what Apple announced was that at the end of, I want to say October, or maybe it was the end of September. Anyway, they picked a date and they said, this is it. We're not going to we're going to turn off all of the features where you can order from Apple. Now the truth is Apple wasn't printing books, right? Apple had partners who were printers who were printing those books. And what has happened in the intervening months since Apple announced that they were going to shut those down and I suspect that these companies got a heads up that this was going to happen is those companies, some of the prominent companies that have been printing partners of Apple's over the years through iPhoto and Photos have come out with their own photos extensions that let you do books and calendars 
uh, and build them in photos from your photos library and then upload them in a batch. In contrast to a web-based service, there are web-based services that have been out there forever, but there you need to pick your photos and then you need to upload them in a batch and then you need to use the web page to to design them. And these extensions are running inside of photos. They're very much like the photos stuff that uh, that you remember from Apple and the Motif and Mimeo are the names and, and those are two companies or are owned by companies that did a lot of the printing before. And they're both pretty good. They have some differences and I actually slightly prefer one over the other for, uh, for books versus calendars. But if you're a control freak who wants the equivalent of Quark Express inside photos to lay out your pages, uh, yeah, th- it will do that. One of those apps is basically a freeform layout editor when you get down to it, which is kind of wild. Which one is that? Uh, that is Mimeo. Mimeo, I prefer Motif for book building, actually. I think it's uh, a little easier to use. Um, I, I just, I, all, all told, I think it's a more modern interface. Uh, it puts the photos that you're that are in your project at the bottom of the screen as thumbnails in a strip, whereas I feel like Mimeo is a little... Um, a little uh, backward. It's got your layouts down at the bottom. And if you want your photos, you need to slide out a drawer, basically. And the whole drawer metaphor they're using feels very uh, 2008 Mac to me. Um, but they're both good. And and uh, and Mimeo will definitely let you just drop boxes on a page and send them to the back and send them to the front and slide them around. And you can literally just make the worst designs in the world if you want to. But even uh, Motif will let you uh, draw basically you can drag around the borders between the photos so you can make a wider photo and a narrower photo which is something that the apple tools really never did because apple i feel like never updated them after they built them for like a, an early version of iphoto and they just stayed that way forever so i think motif is better for books although mimeo is fine i think mimeo is actually better for calendars the motif calendar builder just sort of lets you pick the top part of the calendar and you can choose you know one two three four photo layouts and and drop in your photos um mimeo will actually let you add labels to dates on the bottom part of the calendar. So if you've got a, somebody's birthday, you can put it in there. You can also add photos to the dates, which is really nice. Uh, Apple's tools let you do that. The one thing that uh, Mimeo doesn't let you do that I really loved in Apple's photo t- uh, tool for uh, for calendars is the uh, ability to drop in photos on those kind of dead dates on a month that are from the previous or the next month. And I used to put all sorts of little photos in there for fun because they weren't covering up actual dates of the month. They were in, you know, you're, you're looking on the February page and the March 2nd date is a grayed out too. And I could drop a photo there and uh, Mimeo, neither Mimeo nor Motif will let you do that. But, uh, but anyway, they're, they're good. I was surprised the quality is good, um, which is not surprising. It's basically the same quality as the Apple books were because it's the same printers as the Apple books. There's not any difference there and they priced them the same as well. This is a surprisingly huge market, the photo printing market for books, calendars, and cards. And and there are dozens, if not hundreds, of companies that do it. I kind of wonder why Apple got out of the market, because this is the kind of thing that would have increased their service income, which they're so keen on increasing. I think maybe there's just a an expertise issue and a volume issue. It, I think it's maybe a big business for printers. And from Apple's perspective, it's a rounding error. Um, I, think, I think maybe some of it, too, was they felt like... And I, this is forgive the nerdiness here, but I, I wonder if they're going through a 64 bit transition and they're looking at that code and they're thinking to themselves, 
we don't ever, we haven't updated this code since iPhoto. We don't want to do it now. Maybe the person who wrote that code is long gone. What could we do to give incentive to third parties to build their own code for this and let them compete too? Because, you know, obviously they were competing behind the scenes and bidding with Apple and all of that. And I think Apple, some combination of all these factors went in there and Apple was like, look, we don't want to deal with this anymore. We'll create an API for you to do it. Um, my, my, uh, my disappointment here is that other that the, there aren't you know more options that really right now Motif and Mimeo are the only options that I would recommend to anybody for this stuff at least in North America there are some photo printing uh, extensions that came out last year including ones that are focused in Europe that um, you know I can't really try but I know that they're out there so everybody's local market is different but I, I know that Motif and Mimeo are probably the most widely available. Um, I wish there were more like Shutterfly is a good example where I really like Shutterfly's project products and I've used it a lot and they make an extension, but it's not anything. It, it wants to upload again. You, you open it up and it says, I need to upload all the photos in your project one by one to Shutterfly and then I'll let you build your book. And it's like, no, you're just putting your web interface inside a, a window. I could, it, look, if people want to do it, they can. I don't want to live that way. I guess is what I'm trying to say here. I want to build it locally. Um, I should also mention. I think it's Mimeo that offers. They basically have kind of lookalike versions of all the old Apple Books templates. So even though I like Motif's interface better, Mimeo has done a better job of trying to pander to slash cater to all the people who have like their format, their template in Apple. Uh, in photos for Apple Books that they want to just keep using because they want every book to look the same. You should be able to do that with Mimeo. And also Mimeo offers a feature that lets you upload um, a production PDF, basically, or take your old Apple Book, if you still got it in the Photos app, and upload it to their servers and they'll they'll reprint it and it'll look basically the same. So they, they have definitely leaned into the continuity side of it. So so that's great news, actually, if you're somebody who has built 10 family photo books over the years and has you know six more to go before the kids go off to college and you don't <laughs> want them to suddenly change their appearance. Um, although I was reminded for while, while doing my research for this that um, the early Apple photo books looked completely different from the modern Apple photo books. They used to have uh, fabric covers with a piece of paper glued onto the front. And then finally the covers, the hard covers got so that the whole thing was printed on. But, you know, continuity, people who believe that there was continuity in the Apple Books universe that's now been broken, I think will find that you can maintain your continuity now, but your books that you printed in 2002 don't look the same. Whenever there's a major update to software like this, and I'm looking at you, iTunes, we always find these things that change some of the most surprisingly banal things. And in photos, it was pressing the space bar when you look in the photo to get it to full screen. And why would they change something as simple as that? Please, Apple, change it back. Yeah, they told me when I talked to them about it that they felt that, that they were adding consistency with other keyboard shortcuts. And my response was, okay, but it was previously consistent with different keyboard shortcuts. So what you did is you made it less like the Finder and more like... Right, Quick Look is a space bar. Exactly, more like a different app. And um, they had no answer for that. Like, you know, bas basically, because I, I had the same thing. I still like the idea of pr uh, pressing the space bar to make the, the image come full screen. And, and now you, you, you got to hit return and, sh and command return will take you into editing mode. And, you know, you get used to it, but it's frustrating. I, I agree. And I, I don't entirely understand their argument. I, I don't think 
uh, I, you know, they, they made a choice to go with something completely different. And I don't, it doesn't feel to me like it, it, it is a home run. It's like, oh, of course, everything else uses return. It's like, that's not, not true. The quick look gesture is, is right there. It's the space bar. Unless maybe that's just something that people don't use in the Finder. I mean, I use it all the time, but... I use it all the time. I, when I import photos, I import them into a folder in the Finder because I have Victorian internet. So if I were to put a whole bunch of photos into the Photos app, they would congest my upstream internet, which is only one megabit per second for, you know, days at a time. So I have to sort through them in the Finder, which is actually good to edit photos in that way, you know, to choose what's good before I put them in the Photos app. So I'm often either using an app or using the space bar to decide which photos I want to keep. You mentioned taking old books and uploading them as a, a, a PDF, basically. I have to admit, I've not printed anything out of Photos or iPhoto in a very long time, which you know sort of goes against that whole idea of you're a photographer, you need to print things, especially like books and things like that. You would think I would, but I don't for some reason. If you are now uh, using the new version of Photos and you had some old books that you had made, where do those go? Where does somebody find them? Or do you have to spelunk to, to discover them? So I believe they all still show up in the photos interface and you have the ability to uh, go in there. And like I said, I think uh, Mimeo will let you kind of convert them into a Mimeo project. Uh, you can also open them. Um, you can't order books anymore, but you can open them. And one of the things you can do is I believe it's option click on the export feature and you basically get a uh, you can export a PDF that's a production PDF, and uh, Mimeo will also take those. Um, and that that was sort of a way people kind of backed up their old photos projects back in the day. Um, so there are a few different ways of doing it, but they they don't they don't vanish. You just can't order books from them anymore without, like I said, uh, getting them in a different format. And uh, Mimeo is happy to let you do that. I, I also, by the way, will say, um, I think people who don't I think there are a lot of people who don't print their photos anymore in any form, and they just look at them on screens. And that's fine. Our screens these days are beautiful. I will say, um, to Kirk's point about curation, he's curating it because his, his internet is slow. Uh, there is something really rewarding about going through. So my family, we make calendars for a few people in the family and ourselves every year. And what we do, the exercise we we do is we every month is from the, the, the month of the previous year. So January's photos can only come from photos taken in January. And it that exercise has allowed us to... Uh, it's kind of delightful to revisit the previous year and the photos we've taken and make some decisions about what photos we like the best and then build that calendar. And then, so that's a great experience. And then the final experience is that for the next year, every month you're flipping over the page and are again reminded of those photos you took that you curated at the end of December uh, that and took in the previous year and you get some more delight about that. So I'm a big believer that uh, I think calendars is a fun way to do it. Books, less so, it depends on your, you know, who your family is and, and whether you're, you've got books out on the coffee table or photo albums or something like that. But I find the calendar is a really great exercise for that and keeps our photos in mind when they might otherwise be forgotten. And then I'm also a big believer, and this is outside the scope of, of the book and, in fact, outside the scope of photos, but I'm a big believer in uh, large prints 
And I have a couple of uh, giant picture frames on my wall, poster frames, essentially, that I fill and I kind of rotate through photos from Shutterfly. So Shutterfly has large format printing, and that's a fun way to do it, too. So if, you, if you've abandoned paper for the screen, I recommend see if there's something somewhere. I think you will be more attached to your photos if you go through that curation process and then print something. So one of the biggest things in photo editing, I've just done air quotes there, is applying filters to photos. And Apple's Photos app, and both on the Mac and the iOS, have, what, a dozen filters at most, whereas you can get third-party apps that have hundreds of filters any idea why Apple doesn't embrace that more? I don't know. They actually had more originally, and then they reduced them, and now they've got like nine. And I don't know. I think uh, I, I would love to hear from them why they feel that that is the appropriate aesthetic consideration for photos in the Photos app. But uh, maybe they just figure they want to do some basic stuff, and they're going to leave it to third parties to have all the wacky filters. I don't know. But it's a it's a great question, and I... And, um, I, I think maybe the answer is philosophical, that they feel like they don't want the Photos app to go too far down the road of kind of altering and defacing your photos uh, through some standard filter. You can use all their tools to do it, but I think uh, my guess is that would be their answer, is that it's more of a philosophical thing and that there are third-party apps that will let you do whatever you want. Yes, whatever you want. Another thing is that you really can't save your settings in the Photos app to be able to apply them to other photos. Now, you can copy settings from one photo and paste them to another, but that's pretty obscure. And it's only people who've either dug into the app like me or who've read your book who will know how to do that. It's not easily discoverable. And that's kind of a shame that, you know, people might want to, okay, I've done this. I've got a little bit of, I've made this a little bit of warmer color and increased the exposure and put a vignette. And I want to apply this to all the photos of the family picnic. And I'm surprised that they don't offer uh, an easier way to do that. I wonder sometimes if they are uh, waiting on some machine learning stuff for some of this, because one of the things they do with sharing is they detect when you're in a, you know, the faces and the location and the time, like this is an event that happened. And you give a really good example where what they should do is you should do with all the white balancing and color correction and everything you want to do in one photo. And the next thing it should do is say, you have 28 other photos like this from this event. Would you like me to apply these corrections to all of them? And I, will they get there? I hope they will because they should. That is something that is within their power and probably a more intuitive way of applying that feature than copying settings and individually pasting settings one at a time on 30 other photos. Also, with machine learning, they'd be able to adapt the settings to the slightly different exposure on the other photos, which when you copy and paste them, you still have to tweak them unless it's exactly the same light. Yeah, yeah. the idea is that you could say, this is the kind of effect I want from this photo and the software should be able to be like, oh, I see, and then apply... (laughs) a variation of that to all of them and use its kind of, you've trained it and now it goes to work. I think all that is possible and I think all that is coming at some point. The question is, what are Apple's priorities? And with photos every year, it's a little bit of a crapshoot in terms of what has Apple decided to prioritize. This year, we saw the photo stuff on the Mac. We saw a bunch of great search stuff on iOS that isn't on the Mac. I don't know where they're going next. It's kind of hard to tell. But uh, the machine learning is big at Apple right now. Machine learning as a concept and the stuff that they're building into their hardware is all about accelerated machine learning. So I would imagine that's the future of photos is more and more stuff that's based on um, machine analysis of photos, whether it's aided by your hints, like when you say, when you tag somebody's face or whether you make adjustments in an event and then it can pick up from there and, and do some intelligent work in the background. I think that's where they're going. Um, 
but we'll have to wait and see. Maybe maybe next year there'll be a whole bunch of machine learning features in photos. Well, it definitely has some smarts because one of the memories it offers me is Fluffy Friends 2014 and it's all cat photos. So it was able to recognize all my photos of Titus the cat. Yeah, it tries very hard. It's done that for the last couple of years to surface things based on its machine learning algorithms. And that's even more aggressive on iOS where there's a whole for you tab with a bunch of recommended things to share or to view. And I think that's smart too, right? Because our albums are enormous now. Our libraries are enormous. And it tries to find uh, events and concepts and build albums algorithmically. And sometimes they are great. And sometimes they are ridiculous. But, you know, computers, they don't always get it right. Yep. Jason Snell, thanks very much for joining us. The book is Take Control of Photos. We'll have a link in the show notes. And get the book and learn how to use photos. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Okay, time for our snapshots. Jeff, what have you got this week? So I was doing some editing the other day and found a whole bunch of little spots, as you sometimes do. You get little dust spots, and I'm fixing them, and I'm fixing them, and they're not getting fixed. And I realized, ah, uh, these are on my screen. These aren't on my, on my image. Uh, how many times has this happened? Many, many times. How many times is it going to happen? Many, many times. So what I have this week is a product called Whoosh. W-H-O-O-S-H. And it's basically a spray cleaner. Uh, I'm talking specifically about my MacBook Pro screen that just gets, you know, dirty from hand grease, etc. It's not a touch screen, Jeff. It's <laughs> it's not a touch screen. In fact, when people touch their their laptop screens intentionally, it just it drives me insane. Okay, okay. So I know, me too. Yep. It's not just my own my own <laughs> personal uh uh glitch. And so no. um the reason I'm recommending this is there are a ton of, of different things like this out there. It comes with a microfiber cloth. You spray it on. It works really well, blah, blah. I found out about this because I had to take a previous uh, MacBook Pro into Apple. And the first thing the genius did was was whip out this spray bottle and a cloth and just wipe down my screen. And I was like, what is that? And so this is the product that Apple uses, and it's called Whoosh. It's really inexpensive. It's like $13 for the one I have. It's got, you know, a pump, and it works great. You just have to remember to do it, especially before you're going to edit your photos. Kirk, what do you have this week? Well, I have an iMac on my desk, and when I take photos, I load my photos from the memory card into the iMac. Now, if you have an iMac, as I think you do, you know the contortions you have to go through to stick the memory card in behind the iMac. And you can't see it because the screen is in front of you. So you put your hand behind, you're trying to stick the card in the slot, and you end up missing it. So I think anyone who owns an iMac should have an external SD card reader that they plug into the back of the Mac and it sticks out under the front. You can get a USB 3 SD card reader for peanuts. Half a peanut is all it costs. You put your card in, <laughs> you take it out. You don't have to worry about trying to get it in that slot it's amazing how Apple, you remember when the iMac was not razor thin on the edges that the SD card was on the side and it was really easy to put it in there. <laughs> I was just going to bring that up, yeah. yes. And then they decided, well, it has to be thin so we can show it from the side, even though no one ever looks at an iMac from the side, unless they're walking around someone's desk. And so they put the slot in the back and it's just a horrible ergonomic decision on Apple's part. So stop doing that. Because you're going to end up knocking your iMac off your desk or something. I mean, you end up in contorted positions. So just get a good SD card reader. Get a USB 3.1 one, so it's quick enough. If you have a recent iMac that does USB 3.0 or in mine even, I got a USB-C 
USB 3 speed USB-C connector to go into my iMac. So nothing complicated, nothing fancy, just a simple card reader to avoid hurting yourself when you're leaning over your iMac and trying to stick the card in. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. And don't forget to go to luma-labs.com to find your next favorite camera strap system. You'll get 10% off using the code PHOTOACTIVE. That's luma-labs.com. Until next week, thanks again for listening.